My name is Ted Lee. I am the Editor-in-Chief of GEMS, and along with Jeff Frankel, our Managing Editor, we are bringing you industry leaders and experts to talk about hot topics and contributions to GEMS in various aspects and topics impacting EMS. Today, we have a special guest, uh, Dr. George Hatch, Jr., the Executive Director of the Committee on Accreditation of uh, Educational Programs of the Emergency Medical Service Professions. So welcome, Dr. Hatch. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Ted. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Thanks for the invitation. So uh, just to give our audience a little background, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and um, your EMS career? Yeah, wow. Um, I'm thinking back on that. I started as an EMT uh, in 1977. So it may be before you were born. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not quite sure about that, but, uh, 1970, a, I was seven years old. <laughs> all right. All right. So I'm, so I'm an EMS lifer, but, uh, I didn't know that I was going to get into EMS and, uh, it, it all happened because my dad, who was a high school coach was painting our house, fell off of a roof, 40 feet to the ground. And the guys that went and picked him up that Sunday morning were, EMTs probably on a funeral home ambulance, a high top suburban. They picked him up, they threw him in the back of the ambulance and they drove really fast to the hospital. And that was my introduction to EMS. And um, so over the years since that time, um, I've uh, uh, gotten into, uh, stayed in EMS and became um, a paramedic uh, in the second class of our uh, uh, EMS uh service in Galveston, Texas. We've got a, uh, the oldest medical school in the state of Texas that was there. I was taught by physicians uh, back in 1978, 1979. Uh, worked as a paramedic for Galveston EMS, the city of Galveston, for about seven years, and then went to work for Houston Community College. And I went there with no degree, no thought that uh, I originally was going to be a school teacher, but Went to, uh, went to work at the college. We had a contract with the Houston Fire Department to do all of the education and continuing education for their employees, which number now about 3,500. So we, uh, we had an impact on a very large city EMS system in the fire department and the fire service. And uh, I went back to school, got uh, three degrees from the University of Houston. And uh, when this job came open in 2007, I applied uh, through a national search, and I've been here for the last 17 years. So um, that's that's my EMS career, pretty much uh, in a Reader's Digest format. Well, great! Yeah, thank you for your service and uh, quite a quite a long career in EMS. Um, so, um, what is the Committee on Accreditation of Educational Programs? Yeah, I, uh, I, you know, I asked that question myself. I, I, as I said, I started in 1977 as an EMT and a little beknownst to me in 1978, this organization was actually chartered. Um, there were some forefathers in EMS that represented three or four different national EMS groups and they thought about accreditation. Uh, it was being done at that time uh, sort of globally by the American Medical Association. And at that time, the AMA was uh, heavily involved in the accreditation of not just EMS, um, but in, in many other aspects of healthcare. 
And that went on. Uh, the, the group was chartered in 1978. And you can see we're in the next couple of years approaching 50 years of, of being around. Um, back then when I was a paramedic on an, on an ambulance, I didn't think about what accreditation was. And, and so it wasn't until I got here, or actually when I was in the educational realm, that I started thinking about uh, accreditation. And we had, at the time, five programs here in Texas that were or four programs that were accredited. They were all in higher education venues. And so I talked to some uh, colleagues at the time that were running those programs. And that kind of led me to the accreditation space. Um, so fast forward, the Committee on Accreditation of Educational Programs for the EMS Professions currently represents um, us having oversight of about 800 paramedic programs around the United States and one outside of the United States in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia at a university there. Um, the Committee on Accreditation is made up of 12 sponsor organizations. Um, there are physician sponsor organizations like the American College of Cardiology, uh, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the National Association of EMS Physicians, and that's just to name a few. And then on the EMS side, you've got um, the National Association of EMTs, um, the National Registry of EMTs, uh, the International Association of Firefighters, and so forth. Uh, so, so we have 12 different sponsor organizations that intersect with EMS, and those sponsor organizations come to the table. They have two representatives uh, that we elect to our board of uh, directors, and uh, they are responsible for the oversight of the organization. Their fiduciary responsibility not just involves sort of how the organization runs, but they're the actual horsepower that on a quarterly basis, they're the ones that are that are evaluating whether paramedic education programs meet the standards for KHEP. Now I mentioned KHEP, and I wanna take a step back. KHEP is the Commission on Accreditation of Allied Health Education Professions. KHEP is actually the programmatic accreditor. So we hear sometimes that the COA EMSP or COAMSP um, is the accreditor, and that's not the case. Uh, KHIP is actually the accreditor for your paramedic education program. But what I do tell people is that we at the COA EMSP, we are the ones that do the heavy lifting for KHIP. So we're the ones that staff on the EMS side. Uh, we're, we're our separate, we're a separate organization from KHIP, but we're under this umbrella with 31 or 33 other allied health professions healthcare professions that um, that KHIP accredits. And so we've gone from being a really, really small committee on accreditation. And I'm happy to tell you that we're the largest committee on accreditation under this umbrella of KHIP. But it's actually our board of directors and our staff that uh, evaluate the programs. We are the ones that make a recommendation to KHIP's board of directors about the accreditation status of your paramedic education program. And we're the ones that really have more of the day-to-day -day contact with someone like Ted calls up and says, hey, George, I've got a question about uh, the self-study, or I'm not really sure how I should answer this response that you're asking us about for a progress report. 
for, for our accreditation status. It's uh, coming up this quarter. So KHEP, again, has the oversight. They have the final say uh, on a recommendation from our board of directors as to the accreditation status of your program. And, and I would also tell you what I've learned is it's not just a rubber stamp thing. I mean, uh, the audience out there is trying to figure out, okay, well, if I don't know a whole lot about accreditation, if you guys do all the work and you say, hey, Ted's program is good to go and it should receive accreditation status, or Ted's program has got a problem and we're recommending that we place the program on probation or even withdraw accreditation from the educational program, uh, what, what happens there? And I can tell you that what I've learned is, and I knew this already, but it's, it's good to see it in place, that KHEP's board of directors doesn't just rubber stamp this. And in fact, when we send recommendations on a quarterly basis back to KHEP, they have questions many times. I can tell you every quarter that we send programs, they don't necessarily go in there clean without someone else looking at those programs and saying, we got a question about that. We're not really sure. Is this, is this what you're asking? Or could this be worded differently? Um, the reason that's important, I think, Ted, is because um, when you look at a paramedic program or any educational program online and you're going in and if you're an employer and you're saying, hey, I want to send my students to Ted's program or I'm Ted the student and I'm looking at investing in sending myself to a school locally or even perhaps out of school or in state someplace and I want to make sure that my dollars and my time are going to be well spent. If I look at a program and I don't see that uh, it's up to snuff or it's up to speed, or if I see, hey, it looks to be really stellar, that's where I want to invest my time. KHEP is important because they want to make sure that Joe and Jane Public can look at a program and they can understand this program has issues or this program seems to be going in the right direction. And that's where it's probably a good investment of your time and a good investment of your money to go to school there. So accreditation is, and correct me if, if I'm wrong or, or not phrasing it quite right, um, it helps with um, oversight and kind of uh, standard setting so that there is uh, consistency and quality in programs? Yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, there are standards. The standards are KHEP standards, but I can tell you that the, that the EMS community uh, has an opportunity every five, but no more than 10 years when we open up the standards for a revision, uh, which we just went through. Um, there's a, there's a multi-step process that goes through that. And those standards are what your paramedic education program is going to be benchmarked against. They're not going to be benchmarked. Ted's program is not going to be benchmarked against George's program. And our two programs are not going to be benchmarked against someone else's program. They're each going to be uniquely benchmarked against the KHEP standard. And so when you look at the standards, you know, there's multiple different areas. One of those is sponsorship. So we have most of our programs are in educational institutions, community colleges, junior colleges, technical colleges, um, universities. Um, those meet a sponsorship requirement because they have an institutional accreditor. You went to school, you, you've kind of done, done that uh, like I have, but you don't necessarily think about your institution, the university that you went through, uh, or a community college locally that you went through. You don't think about the institutional accreditation status, 
but there's actually an institutional accreditation for colleges and universities. And they look at sort of the global 360, uh, 360 view, 360 degree view of your program, but they're also looking at it from an institutional perspective. How healthy is the institution financially? Do you have all, do they have all the resources that they need? We're actually doing sort of a deeper dive on the programmatic side. So that's what's important here. We're actually looking at the program. We're not looking at the institution. But again, going back to sponsorship type, we have colleges and universities that meet the requirement. We have hospital-based programs that meet the requirement. We have governmental entities. These could be city and county EMS agencies that sponsor their paramedic education program. These could be city or county fire departments that sponsor their paramedic education program. And we also have federal programs. We actually have two uh, military programs, one at the Joint Special Operations Base at Fort Bragg. I'm not sure what they're calling it now. I apologize. Uh, they changed the name, but Fort Bragg in North Carolina, where the Joint Special Forces train. And we have another program at the Army Combat Paramedic Schoolhouse at Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio, Texas. Um, so, so we have federal programs. And then a last but not least category would be a consortia. And a consortia is where, I'll use this as an example, Ted and George's most excellent paramedic school, okay? We are not institutionally accredited. We don't meet any of the requirements for sponsorship as defined by KHEP. And so we want to keep teaching paramedics and we do a pretty good job. And um, we think we do a really good job, but we don't meet any of these requirements. We go out and we might partner with other entities that do meet that requirement. We might partner up with a city fire department. We might partner up with a hospital. Uh, we might partner up with a college or university that doesn't have a paramedic program. And collectively, we pool our resources and there's oversight to make that sponsor go. But, but at the end of the day, I think that one is important. It's a little bit more nuanced. If you don't have the resources there, it can't just be George and Ted calling the shots all the time here. It actually runs because we have somebody that makes it run um, based on their sponsorship criteria. And that, that's a lot to think about there, but, but it's a pretty important category. And we actually have more of those types of programs than any other committee on accreditation that falls under the KHEP umbrella. So that's, that's sort of the sponsorship thing in a nutshell. So it's not like a, a one size fits all. It, it's unique to the needs of the community or the state or the region um, based on, on what's available there. Yeah, I think, I think that's an important component also, because again, when, when I came here 17 years ago, we had about 220 paramedic programs. And they were in different different areas and they were in different categories. And um, I think, again, one of the things that I've learned, the standards speak to multiple different ways that an educational program is organized. And I think as a credit to people in our profession, um, we've been able to see and realize and actualize all of those different paramedic programs that are unique to a particular community have been able to find a home. And, and uh Again, by doing that, I think we've grown not just from a from a numbers perspective, but I think uniquely uh, we're we're sort of in a leadership role within the KHEP system, 
and uh, people are looking at us. How do you do a lot of the things that you do? People were not asking us necessarily when, when I first started here. I, I, it's been a pretty exciting time. And I think what it shows is um, paramedic programs can be taught in a lot of different in a lot of different facilities. They don't have to just reside in a college or university. We heard that before. Oh, you can only do this if they're in a college and university. And that's simply not the case. What it, what it does say is there has to be a tie to an educational outcome. And those paramedic programs that are in hospitals or city or county EMS agencies or fire departments or even consortia um, or, or our federal partners, they have to have a pathway for graduates of that program to gain college credit. And most of the way that that's done is through an articulation agreement. So if you went to a college and university, they award college credit. But if you go to a program that doesn't necessarily reside in a college or university, they have to have that connection so that young people that graduate from these programs, whether it's six months from now or six months or six years from now, um, when they graduate, they may decide, you know what? I want to go back and I want to formalize my degree. I want to go into a supervisory role. Maybe I want to go on outside of EMS and, and I want to go to nursing school or to PA school or I want to go to medical school. They want to be able to realize the education that they, that they captured as a paramedic has value and they can partner that and, and, and actually get a college, you know, get those hours transcripted. And hopefully a college looks at that and says, yeah, we, we, we can give them college credit for this and that's transferable. So I think that's really important also. Uh, people may not be thinking about that right now, but I would also tell you that when I was that age and I was going through paramedic school, I didn't know what I didn't know. So right. we're trying to make sure that we protect the student as well. So, you know, you talk about longevity of this and, and impacting careers. The reach is, you said, over 800 programs now um, yeah. uh, across the United States. So, you know, what role or, or what impact can, you know, the Committee on Accreditation have on the future of EMS? I mean, we're talking about it. There's a lot of concern uh, about do we have enough paramedics? Do we have enough providers? You know, is this... Um, are we going in the right direction? You know, kind of what role do you see uh, co-amps having in that? And, you know, what are you guys doing about that? Yeah, great question. I, I, I would like to say that I think we, we've already made an impact. And to see the numbers of paramedic education programs rise from around 220 to nearly 800, just shy of 800 right now, uh, and, and more programs coming to us every month either asking about how do I start a program or what's the next step, we're seeing three to five new programs come to us every single month, Ted. We, over the last uh, two years, we've added each of those years, 30 new programs to this process where they're going through the process and eventually gaining, um, in most cases, they're gaining KHEP accreditation and they continue. Um, so, so I, I think that we've had an impact. I mean, the outcomes um, showing that students are uh, gainfully employed. So these are metrics that the U.S. Department of Education asks for all programs, all not just paramedic programs, but educational programs inside healthcare, outside of healthcare. They're, they want to know um, about 
do students pass placement exams? I mean, uh, you know, job exams uh, in terms of like licensing, right? So do they pay, do they pass a national or a state licensing exam? And in our case, that's the national registry uh, of EMTs paramedic exam. Um, some states still have their state exam, but um, uh, they, the, the students that graduate from there still have the opportunity to take a national licensing exam that gives them portability. So do they pass a national or a state exam? Do they get a job? And how many people start and how many people finish an educational program? All right. So back to the workforce question, you know, these last several years, particularly with COVID, um, the National Registry reports out that they are still seeing increasing numbers of, of graduates at all levels, not just paramedic, not just advanced EMT, but EMT and EMR. There are more people graduating and taking those licensing or certifications, certification exams than ever before. So I don't think it's a I don't think it's a question of how many students are graduating, you know, is is sort of the accreditation process one of the reasons why that might not be happening? I don't think that that's the case. Um, what I will tell you is just sort of a teaser here. We've been talking about it since we were asked about it in late 2018, but in 2019, the National EMS Scope of Practice was published. And one of the things that was published in there that we were asked about, could we do this, um, was could the COA, EMSP, and KHEB, if, if NHTSA was to mention in that scope of practice document in 2019 that's been published, if they were to mention voluntary accreditation at the advanced EMT level, would that be something that you guys could take on? The answer was, we're going to have to study that. Well, we did start studying that, and then COVID happened, and we kind of got shut down from that. But but I would tell you we're on the uptick. We, we put that group back together again, and we are continuing down this continuum of gathering information, working on our materials, and we believe that we're going to be in a position to launch voluntary, and I want to underline voluntary accreditation at the advanced EMT level for AEMT education programs that are out there. Some of those might currently reside in existing paramedic programs, right? That's it's sort of another thing that you do. It's a it's an offering that you already have. And how would you go about adding accreditation at the advanced EMT level to what it is that you already do? So that's one thing. But there are existing advanced EMT programs out throughout the United States that don't have any connection to an accredited paramedic program right now. So there may be as many as 500 plus advanced EMT programs alone that are out there across the United States that would benefit from the accreditation process. Now, that doesn't mean that states are going to mandate this. doesn't mean that we're going to mandate this. We will have that process in place to address those programs that come forward at the advanced EMT level. But again, back to your original question, I think that's the type of stuff that the COAMSP is in you know, is in a position to be able to help leverage to improve educational outcomes for advanced EMT students across the United States. Right now, nobody's really looking at that. So I think that's another thing, another value added proposition that we're bringing to the table.
Now, of course, for those of us in uh, EMS, we know the the different levels and stuff. So I'm just as a last question, I'm going to throw this out. If if we're accrediting paramedic programs and we're voluntarily potentially accrediting advanced EMT programs, what about EMT programs? Yeah, well, I used to have really dark hair and, and this job's made my hair gray. Um, <laughs> no, um, what I would say, that's a great question. There, there is no um, plan in 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 the future that I can see. Not not any time in the future, near future, that anyone's probably got an appetite for looking at EMT programs and going through an accreditation process. I'll say a couple things though. Number one, the way EMT programs are structured, and just in terms of the numbers of hours, clock hours, they're typically rated in clock hours. And if you had a college setting, most EMT programs are going to be about five, four to five semester credit hours for an EMT program. Okay. So when you look at the number of hours that they have in the accreditation realm, there's probably not, um, there's not enough meat on the bone for KHEP to say, yes, we could accredit EMT programs. However, in the future, way down the line, I think perhaps decades or more down the line, as we as we progress along this, I think the the question will percolate: What about EMT programs, and how would we how would the EMS profession look at that? I mean, you know this yourself, Ted. There's probably dozens and dozens more EMT programs per capita than there are AEMT programs right. or paramedic programs, and you know, I was one of those people that was leading an EMT program at a, at a local community college. And, you know, we were doing other stuff, including paramedic. But when you think about this, EMT programs per perhaps are the least resourced uh, and the least prepared in some instances to take on uh, a level of responsibility that, that accreditation kind of uh, is asking you to do. There's, there'd have to be a lot of lead up to this. There'd have to be a lot of consensus, I believe, nationally, uh, really to have an appetite to do that. Um, so so I think if there were to be EMT accreditation way in the future, uh, it'll be somebody else sitting here talking to you about it. Do I think it may have value? Absolutely. Because I think if you can translate, do I have the resources to be able to deliver uh, solid education to the students that are sitting in my classroom? Then I think then I think the the answer is yes, accreditation makes a difference. But you got to have, I think you have to have some sort of balance there also. And I think maturation wise, EMS is going to continue to evolve. We're going to continue to mature. And I think those people in the future, in 2050 and beyond, that might be looking at accreditation at the EMT level, that's something they're going to have to wrestle with. But I hope, I wish that I was going to be around maybe in 2050 to see that. I don't think I'll be here. Well, just, you know, to your point, though, um, a lot of programs that are either paramedic, which are accredited, or ones that would be going through the voluntary advanced EMT, they probably have a baseline EMT program somewhere in there. So they are working towards kind of the same standards and the same equipment is used, the same structure is used. Um, so... You know, you like you mentioned, you know, close to 800 programs are probably already working towards this this goal at the EMT level anyway. So, yeah, I hope so. I because because I, I think it does translate. 
I mean, the things that we're doing at the paramedic level really kind of can be passed passed down. You're still going to be tracking students' performance. Right. Uh, you still want to be able to know that the medical director is actively engaged and involved with the, with the students at all levels, that they know who the medical director is, and the medical director kind of has a vague, if, if nothing else, an understanding of what it is their responsibilities are and how, how involved they can be at the EMT level. That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother question, but uh, I do think it's important. And, and, and again, I think these are all factors. These are components of the accreditation process that, uh, that will translate and do translate. That's great. Well, I wanted to thank you for your time. Um, it was great talking with you. Um, I hope everybody that, that listens in has a better understanding of, of what accreditation means. And, you know, the fact that, you know, we went from 200 and some odd programs early on to close to 800 programs now um, and work working towards the advanced EMT that, you know, the educational platform working into emergency medical services as a whole is strong um, and is is working very hard towards you know our needs. Would you like to say anything oh, else? In so I didn't know. I, I didn't know yeah. if that was a lead. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, so Ted, thank you so much for for having me. Um, I, I am proud to have been in emergency medical services my entire career. Uh, I think it has been rewarding. I hope that that next generation of EMTs and AEMTs and paramedics are as excited about EMS as I was and that they're going to be lifers like you and I are. And, you know, that, that, that's important to all of us because we're going to eventually be consumers of EMS. And I think we uh, we owe it to not just ourselves, but to that next generation of students and those who graduate and take care of us and our family members. It's going to be really, really important. So, again, thanks for having me. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, I'm happy to, to, to talk with you again if the opportunity arises in the future. Yes, of course. You're always welcome on the GEMS Report. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Ted.